0: Good day, everyone, and welcome to New Matter, the SLAS podcast, where we interview life science luminaries. I'm your host today. My name is Brintan C. Shobaldo, and I come from Karolinska Institute in Stockholm, Sweden. Today, we're chatting with Pilar ayuda Duran, a postdoctoral researcher at Oslo University Hospital in Norway. She was a presenter at Slas Europe 2021 Digital Conference and a Tony B. Academic Award winner. Welcome. Thank you so much. Yeah, great to talk to you today. So we're going to start off with the challenge of the today, and that's to describe your day-to-day work
1: in 10 words or less. Okay, Uh, this was a little challenging. So um, I'm going to say that we identify synergizing drug combinations to provide personalized cancer treatments. Wow, that was good. It sounds fast,
0: (laughs) a good uh, elevator pitch.
1: So you work in personalized medicine, what led you to that area? To that area, in fact, um, I started working in cancer research um, When I started my PhD, because uh, I became interested in cancer uh, while I was uh, in the university for um, uh, some cases that we had in my family. And then I decided that I really wanted to work in cancer to try to understand uh, how cancer develops and and grows and how can we treat it. My PhD project was a very, very basic research project, studying cell cycle and uh, how the Proper control of cell cycle influences genome stability. Uh, But when I finished the PhD uh, back in Spain, I wanted to move to something more applied and closer to to the patients. So that's why I looked for a project that involved that and I ended up in in the team I am working now. (laughs) Sounds great. What what kind of team are you working in? Is it
0: a mixture of clinicians and uh, basic researchers or...?
1: It's uh, more, um, uh, we have grown a lot since I started working with them, but we are mainly uh, basic researchers, uh, biologists, uh, biochemists. And now we have a lot of data scientists as well, uh, because the kind of uh, research we do needs data science to to move forward. Uh, And we have some clinicians collaborating with us because we we work with some primary cancer cells uh, that we need clinicians to get So it's like a very interdisciplinary uh, team, in fact. Sounds very
0: good. I'm a little bit curious. So I I understand how there's a connection between precision medicine and SLAS or why you're interested in laboratory automation. What's your connection or how do you relate to SLAS?
1: Yeah, the the project I'm working in now is um, a very high throughput project and uh, we really need automation for that. What we are uh, doing now is uh, try to understand the drug-drug interactions and... uh, especially the synergy effect when you put to effect of the combination is bigger than the effects uh, uh, independent effects of the drugs and to better understand that we want to uh, we are studying now the interactions between 61 drugs combined all together and in different concentrations so the effect of uh, of this project is that we work with uh, almost 30 plates of uh, 1536 wells uh, for one single cell line so we really need automation and uh, <laughs> and <laughs> Uh, Slash, it w- was the best place to, to... Yeah,
0: really need automation and reproducible yeah. data, I suppose, to get yeah. out something that
1: you... <laughs> a- in fact, we bought a machine, a liquid dispenser, uh, yeah. and the people who sold us the machine recommended us to attend the Slash. That's what, that's yeah. how I learned about Slash in the first time. <laughs> So I'm intrigued about, so you said you came into
0: um, the area because of family reasons. Um, what t- tips do you have for other people who are joining this kind of precision medicine and uh, you know that interlink between precision medicine and screening? What tips do you have for them for getting experience and following the field?
1: Yeah, um, for the... For the high throughput and to develop this, uh, first, they have to be really patient because it takes, uh, especially when you try to miniaturize, uh, it takes a lot of time to really optimize the the protocols. We took uh, almost three years, also because we had Corona in the middle, but uh, it took very long time to really optimize the, the protocols uh, so we had a good quality results. And also, I think it's very important, uh, both if you are from wet lab or data scientist, to understand the other side, because I, okay. I found um, often that the uh, people in the wet lab don't care that much about uh, how the data have to be, so the data scientists can analyze them properly. And on the other hand, the data scientists sometimes don't understand how biology works, and they really go crazy if uh, the readout for the same treatment is not exactly the same. <laughs> so it's it's important to to know both sides and uh and try to now as what lab scientist uh, i'm trying to to learn more about data science science to be able to work better with uh, with that side of the project yeah I definitely recognize that
0: journey as well it's very difficult to find that cross uh, cross co- uh, communication that you need from one area to another even though it's the same project so uh Another question then I have is, what's your most exciting lab moment or professional accomplishment
1: that you've experienced? Yeah, well, in, in my career there have been several, but I can tell you about the last one that was mm-hmm. uh, very recently. So as I told you, this project I'm working in now uh, took almost three years to properly optimize. Just before Christmas, I was in the moment when I knew that everything was ready. So I decided to go... Uh, to do very intensive uh, experiments for three weeks, more or less three, four weeks. And I ran like 22 experiments. And uh, it was very exciting to, uh, every three days I, ha- I read the results because the experiments take three days. So every three days, I I saw that the experiment had worked and had good quality. And that happened for 20 out of the 22 experiments. So that was a a, a moment because it was like, oh my God, (laughs) all this optimization uh, has been worth it. Uh, So uh, it was a very, very good moment. And and also reassuring because now we know that we have a good system and uh, we have good data to analyze and a good... um, I would system to analyze more more cell lines and, and more things. So it was very nice. <laughs> yeah, that's an excellent excellent lab time. Do you want to tell
0: us a little bit about your background? So you're from uh,
1: Spain, or yes, yeah, I'm a Spanish. I I come from a city called Salamanca that has a very old university. I don't know in 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 other places in Europe is known, but not that much in the Nordics, for example, but um, the university has uh, uh, so the city is uh, full of culture. So uh, it was a nice place to grow and and to uh, it makes you want to to study and to learn things. And then for the science part, uh, my family always moved me to learn things and made me curious. And for example, my sister is also a biologist and a PhD in biology. So I think both of us were uh, raised in the same way. So, for example, my parents uh, always explained us how the things worked, how, uh, how nature was. And my grandmother used to bring us to the countryside and so us animals and plants and, and everything. So I think it was something that I was meant to be <laughs> since I was a child. And, uh, yeah, and as I said, for the cancer research, um, uh, once I was studying biology, I I got really interested in in that disease. So that's why I, <laughs> that's a little bit my trajectory. Yeah, thanks. That sounds very ideal. So I think you
0: use quite a bit of automation in your daily work. What's your like biggest challenge with automation and your biggest challenge at work right now?
1: Mm, with automation... Um, The most difficult thing is that uh, it's not that easy to totally automate the things. (laughs) So, for example, the experiments we do, we use the liquid dispenser that is uh, automatic, but um, it's challenging to, to try to to do it in a fully automated way because we have uh, noticed that um, the cell lines we use, when we have them in a single cell suspension, the cells are, are a little adherent and they can make clamps and sometimes they block the valves. Yeah. So you always have to be by the machine to be sure that everything is working. So we do it in a, kind of a semi-automatized way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. The machine does the dispensing, but I'm by the machine while the dispensing is being done, so I can stop it and fix the things if there is a problem. And also, as we miniaturize the system a lot, we have to be very, very careful with the evaporation, and we have to we have to introduce a lot of a lot of steps. To, to control evaporation and, and good temperature uh, um, spread in the tables, or oh, in the tables, in the plates. Because, um, for example, we noticed that we cannot stack uh, plates on each other because then the temperature in the middle of the plate is not the same as in the borders, and it looked like uh, the cells were not growing uh, equally. Ah, so you get so different
0: proliferation, the edge in the middle.
1: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> And in fact, it's very easy to fix it. You just have to put the the plates uh, one by one. Mm, But then I guess you need a huge footprint for your incubator or... (laughs) (laughs) so. uh, These small things. (laughs) That's true. Very true. Do you have any uh, new technology that you're looking at trying in the next couple of years? yeah we um, i recently in this last meeting that i attended uh, recently i learned about the uh, technology that uh, that um, uses um slides for microscopes that have uh, this hydrophobic uh, surface oh. um, that uh, only is hydrophilic in small spots, uh, so you can uh, you can use very small drops of uh, medium and grow cells in very low volumes. Mm-hmm. And uh, something I will be interested in using in the future because uh, then we can miniaturize uh, way more and uh, reduce the number of cells. And that's important if you want to use primary cells because right now we are working mainly with cell lines. Mm-hmm. So that's I something I would like to try. Yeah, I guess you, you seem to have a key a goal
0: of miniaturization <laughs> <Yes. there>. <laughs> <laughs> in your work. Exciting! I have another question. Do you say S L A S or you say SLOSS? I think in in Sweden we tend to say S-L-A-S. Is <laughs> it the same slas, in Norway? Yes. <laughs> I say <slas. laughs> I noticed yeah. yeah, Definitely a, a Nordic thing, I think, to say yeah. that.
1: <laughs> yeah, probably. I was uh, listening to some of the podcasts uh, in the latest days and I noticed that a lot of people say SLAS and I was oh, yeah. maybe I should try to say that. <laughs> I think I, I, it's, <laughs> it's really hard because I think
0: when with my colleagues here, we all say Slav, so then it's it hard mm-hmm. to switch.
1: Yeah, it was it was a pity I, uh, that I couldn't go in person. That uh, it was uh, it was my first this last meeting, and uh, I really wanted to go and and interact with people. But I have to say that this last meeting has been one of the best I've been uh, regarding the interaction with people. Because uh, I really was uh, asked a lot of, a lot of questions and, then, and I was contacted by people and people were very prone to interact and to collaborate. It, it was amazing. I'm looking forward to go to another one. That sounds exciting. Are you looking forward to any of the symposium or other class meetings in the future? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to try. I don't know if it will be open or not, but uh, I would like to go to the Boston one. I was talking with um, Anna Popova that uh, is uh, she she has this company of the slides I was telling you before. She she works in Aquarite. And she told me she has been in the organization of the meetings for a very long time or, or, or attending meetings at least for a very long time. And she recommended to go to the international one, not only the European one, because there is uh, more people there and, and it's better even. So I, I can recommend
0: be- both. They're very, they're different. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the,
1: the uh, machine park at
0: the uh, international one is really exciting.
1: Mm. Mm.
0: I think. Is there anyone in particular you would want to meet with or collaborate with? Any type Uh of
1: in particular, uh, no, because I'm still uh, learning who is uh, in this world. But uh, in the past meeting, I got to interact with uh, people in different levels, from undergraduate uh, or graduate students to, to people in companies. And it's very nice because uh, I, I felt that everybody wants to collaborate and learn and to give input. So I learned a lot from them and I think it might be a very nice source for collaboration. So I'm looking forward to go to more meetings. Oh, that's
0: exciting. And I will hope that some of the future ones will be in person. Yeah, hopefully. Uh, <laughs> I'm hosting the one in, or I'm chairing the one in Dublin in 2022. So we're hoping for in person. But
1: we'll yeah. yeah, I will try to attend that. <laughs> <laughs> it really nice,
0: so before we um wrap up for the final, I have one more question. so what is the key piece of advice you' would give to the younger generations who are hoping to get into science?
1: um just uh, be curious and try to do uh, something that you like because if you like it, you are going to to be able to to do great things there uh, is, uh, and, and trying try to understand, uh, as I said before, try to understand uh, all the parts, not uh, not focus too much in one wet lab or uh, data science, uh, try to have a broad view and, and try to interact with people and have nice collaborations. Yeah, sounds like great
0: advice. <laughs> Definitely. Thanks so much. It was really interesting to meet you and uh, good luck with your screen and getting the results all analyzed. Thank you. Thank you very much.